I have a question for you, my Chakra Girl radio listeners. Do you feel like you have a deep connection to your intuition, but you don't know how to use it? Almost like you know you're meant to be a healer of some kind, but you know you have so much healing you need to do on yourself first, and you have no idea where to start. Babe, if you are feeling those whispers from the universe and you're attracted to all the woo-woo things like crystals, tarot cards, you know, it's because your inner goddess knows you have a big purpose in this lifetime and she wants to show you how intuitive you really are. So the first step is to connect to your inner healer goddess archetype so that you can begin to remember those innate abilities and she's closer than you may think. So I've created a fun and easy quiz for you to tap into your subconscious and to really make a connection with your inner healing goddess archetype. And on the results page of the quiz, I'm giving you a list of exactly how to use your powers to heal yourself and to heal the collective. So go take the quiz today and get started on your goddess journey to healing yourself and elevating the collective. So go to quiz.chakragirlco.com slash goddess. That's quiz.chakragirlco.com slash goddess. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Chakra Girl Radio with Amberly Lyons is an uncut look into the lives of today's influencers to create real conversation about spirituality, modern girl problems, and the balance between vodka and green juice, gurus and Gucci. We're getting real about the chaos, mistakes, and meltdowns that come along with success. Here's your main chakra girl, Amberly Lyons. Hi, Chakra Babe. Welcome back to Chakra Girl Radio. It's me, Amberly Lyons, your chakra expert, energy and crystal connoisseur, and your trusty spiritual BFF. Also the founder of Chakra Girl Co., a platform giving you all the tips and inspo to be intentional AF so you can live your best life and activate your chakras. Today, we are chatting to Sahara Rose. She is a best-selling Ayurveda. Oh gosh, see, I didn't even know how to say this word before I had this interview. Super embarrassing. Ayurveda, guys. Ayurveda. She is a best-selling Ayurveda author and teacher. She is the host of Highest Self Podcast. She's a motivational speaker, spiritual teacher. She's like besties with Deepak Chopra. Hashtag no big deal. She is kind of like a who's who in the spiritual realm and I'm just so happy to have had her on the show and got we got so much great knowledge from her. So we're talking about doshas 101 and how to know what's not aligned. We're talking about eating right for your mind and body type and how Ayurveda works with the chakra system and a lot more. This episode is brought to you by my Chakra Girl Meditation Bundle. Guys, I used to be a hot freaking mess. Did you know that about me? I was. And I truly believe that the only thing that turned things around for me was tapping into my chakra energy, tapping into my own greatness. Um, and I had to learn how to do that through meditation. So I had to like go learn all these things and read all these books and go to all these trainings. And I just don't want you guys to have to do that. So what I've done is I compiled all the favorite teachings and all the best things that really helped me activate each chakra. And I've turned them into recorded meditations for you guys. So there is a meditation for each chakra, plus a meditation for all the chakras that cleanses you out. 
and a how to meditate audio if you are brand new to meditation. However, these are for all levels, whether you are new to meditating or if you are seasoned, but just want more chakra vibes, guys, you're going to love these. They literally changed my life. You need to go check them out. Plus you're getting $10 off with the promo code podcast. So go to chakragirlco.com, click on meditations in the top navigation, then meditate with me. And if you're looking for like the next level of chakra activation, I have a course called Chakras and Crystals 101, and it's a major in-depth look at all the chakras. And I'm giving you like applied practices and journaling prompts and exercises and a bunch of just next level things to get unblocked with things like money issues, insecurities, guilt, shame, fear of putting yourself out there, all the drama that us women have to endure as we go through our journey. But if you buy the course first, you actually get the meditations included. So it's a double whammy. So go get the course. ChakraGirlCo.com slash courses and select chakras and crystals 101. You can get $10 off that one too. Coupon code podcast. Go get it, guys. All right. Is anyone else having like a really weird few weeks, like really nasty, weird energy going on? I feel like there's like something astrological happening that's just fucking things up. Um, but I'm looking on the positive side. I feel like any time, cause I feel like everyone's feeling this. I've had so many other people. I know people and you know, my friends and people that I've seen online, people I feel like are going through a weird thing as we're coming out of summer and transitioning from like the full blossom, full energy. We're kind of like going more into like hibernation and some things are breaking down and we're shedding our snake skin. And hopefully we're going to come out shiny and new pretty damn soon and don't have to wait till next summer. I'll tell you that. But like I said, I truly believe that when we're like up leveling, the universe kind of likes to test you and then really good things happen. So hope you guys are staying strong through all this and I'll keep you guys updated on any shiny new things that come from the hell that I've been going through. Okay. Maybe I'm being a little dramatic, but I did cut my foot. That's a whole other story. I really cut my foot. It was a fucking murder scene in my bathroom, blood everywhere, squirting everywhere. I know that's TMI probably, but whatever. Um, anyways, so something's going on and I could like barely walk on my foot. The universe is telling me I need to be more grounded. I think I need to pay attention to my feet and my root chakra. So anyways, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're going through a weird time too, I get it. Pay attention to maybe what you're learning and the lessons and just have some hope that everything's happening for a reason. I actually have created a high vibe menu for you guys. And when I had my interview with Lauren Everts from The Skinny Confidential, I talked about how I have this list on my phone of all the ways that I raise my vibes when I feel like I'm in a rut. So I actually put that into a really pretty PDF for you guys. And it's like a full guide. I'm giving you guys tips and fixes you know, if you've got five minutes or if you've got 15 minutes or an hour or two hours, whatever, I'm giving you different things that you can do to raise your vibes and giving you all my best resources and like my favorite meditations and like yoga things that I do and tapping and all the things. It's totally free. I just wanted to make this for you guys. So just go to chakragirlco.com slash vibes. And I'm also going to be posting it all over the place. So stay tuned for that. Oh, and when you sign up for that, there's also an opportunity to book a call with me. So check that out as well. I'd love to chat with you. 
Okay, Chakra Babes. I'm ta- I'm calling you Chakra Babes, by the way. I've been told that I need a name for my listeners, and I think I've settled on Chakra Babes. Let me know what you think about it. Okay, Chakra Tip of the day. Shrooms for the root chakra. Like I said, I'm working on the root chakra right now after I sliced my foot off. Um, okay, so I'm really down with putting mushrooms in everything. So I got all these different mushroom powders and there's some that are for calm. There's some that are for energy. So that what I've learned, I don't know that much about them yet, still learning, but reishi mushrooms are for calm and chaga mushrooms are for energy. So I've been having like a real love hate with coffee lately, but like I'm finding that the mushroom coffee actually makes me not jittery and stressed. I feel like it really helps me just like have like a really clear mind and not have all those weird coffee symptoms. So loving that. And yeah, like I said, there's like a a hot chocolate with mushrooms. There's so many different things. And the brand that I'm using, this is actually my chakra shout out as well. It's called Four Sigmatic. So F-O-U-R Sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C. And it's like, they have really cool branding because it tells you on the package of each product, like exactly what you're getting. Like, is it going to make you calm? Is it going to give you energy? How much caffeine's in it? And all that stuff. And they have everything, guys. They have like coffees. They have powders that you can put in your coffee. They have powders you can put in smoothies and there's like different flavors. My favorite is the hot cocoa. I am obsessed with it. And there's only like two grams of sugar. So it's like, pretty keto friendly. Um, and it just tastes so freaking good. So I'm going to post all the links to the four sigmatic stuff, but you guys need to go check it out. Check it out. All right, loves. I think we're talking about mushrooms in this episode too. How funny. So let's get to it with our girl, Sahara Rose. You're going to love her. Welcome back to Shocker Girl Radio. We are here today with Sahara Rose. She is the best-selling Ayurveda author and teacher, host of the Highest Self podcast. She's a motivational speaker, a spiritual teacher. Guys, she does it all. Um, Her best-selling book is Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, which is the number one best-selling Ayurveda book globally. And she has another book coming, Eat, Feel, Fresh, which is a plant-based Ayurvedic cookbook. And she has been called a leading voice for the millennial generation into the new paradigm shift by a little guy called Deepak Chopra. Ever heard of him? You probably have. So, so excited to get into this. And what I love about Sahara is that she's really bridging that ancient wisdom with modern nutritional science and contemporary spirituality. So she's relatable. She's cute. She's fun. And we just love her. So welcome to the show. Oh, well, it's so great to be here. I'm very excited to be part of your amazing community. Oh my gosh. Well, we all love you. So let's get into our slumber party questions. What is your daily ritual? Yeah. So one thing that I do every day is I, I move my body and I love Pilates reformer. I was a diehard yogi my whole life. I started when I was 12. I studied Ashtanga yoga in India for many years and I really injured my wrist and my hips. So I was like, oh my God, I can't do yoga anymore. So I tried so many different types of exercises, this, that, but what I love about Pilates reformer is it allows you to have that like mindfulness and that, you know, the mind body connection that yoga gives you, but I'm able to actually use different muscles that I never was in my yoga practice. So um, I've become in love and it's something that I do six to seven days a week. 
Oh my gosh. It's well, yeah, you have to have that mind body connection and be so coordinated. I remember the first time I went, I was like, um, am I the only person that has no idea what's going on around here? <laughs> yeah. Especially cause there's all these little like, uh, tools and stuff yeah. and it's pretty, pretty quick moving, but once you get a hang of it, it's, it's the best the ultimate for mind-body connection and becoming coordinated, guys. I love it. So what is your go-to crystal? I love everything that is blue. I'm very attracted to the color blue. Blue is the color of the throat chakra. So I love like aquamarines and calcites and things that are always bringing me back into speaking my truth. Mm, I love that. Is that something that was a big part of the beginning of your journey as well? Oh, for sure. Growing up when I was a kid, I didn't speak any English in school. I was really shy. Uh, I, I, my mom would be like, so what'd you do in school today? Who'd you play with? I'm like, my shadow. Mm -hmm. like, so, um, definitely speaking my truth. And now I am a speaker as my job growing mm -hmm. up. The, told, like, I was like, please don't call on me. So yeah. definitely um, using my voice has been a major game changer in my life. Well, you sound amazing. Oh, thank you. It's working. <laughs> uh, what? Okay. So we already talked about that. What other chakras are you working on? What am I working on? Mm, I'm always, always, always trying to expand the crown. I believe that an idea moves through the chakras. It moves yeah. through the crown, you know, opening up to source and allowing yourself to receive. And then it becomes, you know, identified with you and you begin to use your third eye and your intuition. Is this idea right for me? Do I want to move forward with it? Do I not? And then you begin to speak it, share it with others. You begin to feel it, embody it. And then you get to move it down to the sacral and it's, you know, pleasurable and fun. And then you birth it out into the root. So I see every idea of relationship, business, everything we go through as a movement through the chakras, but it really all begins with the crown. So true. And when I first started my business, I actually was going from the root up and being like, okay, I'm going to like start taking action and then I'm going to feel into it in the sacral. And then I'm going to like really get motivated in the solar plexus. And I mean, there's, I think a place for that, but when it comes to like being intuitively guided, you got to start at the crown. Right. And it's a cycle, you know, it's like, yeah. Sometimes you just have to step into something that is very fearful and unknown for you and you're super anxious the whole way through, but through that stepping through, the rest happens, whereas other things are like a download, a creative idea that you could have never planned yourself. So true. I love it. Okay. What is a natural beauty tip that you're obsessed with right now? Yeah. So I really love um, facial massage. I did this amazing facial, an Ayurvedic facial massage recently. And the before and afters of like this one and a half hour session were incredible. So I've been incorporating facial massage into my everyday. I've used different tools like the gua sha and the, the wands and all these things. But honestly, I feel like my hands just do it best because one, I can do both sides at the same time and can really get in there and break up the fascia in my face. So every day I put on serum in my face and massage my face for like two minutes. Mm, I love that. Where did you learn how to, like what motions to use? 
Yeah, so the um, woman who did my Ayurvedic facial massage, I just kind of like learned from her and saw what she was doing. But basically what she's doing is she's breaking up any fascia. So we hold on to specific facial expressions all the time that we don't realize, right? So when you are doing it, for example, on your cheeks, you like really rub your cheeks in, in circular motions to just break up any muscle that may be holding your face in a certain way. The same with your eyebrows, the same with your jaw, the same with... Uh, your neck. So you're kind of just like, as if you're shaking your, your muscles as, as you would in a regular body massage, you're doing the same with your face. So it almost feels like a Jim Carrey, like floppy face. Like that's yes. actually what you want to be creating. Totally. Yes. I'm down with the gua sha. I need to get on it every day. Do you use the, do you use the rose quartz one or the jade one? You know, I have the gua sha. I use it sometimes, but again, I feel like my hands do it better because with the gua sha, one, I'm only doing that one side. Yeah. I, I notice that my face looks kind of red after because it's sort of like, it's it's intense and it's um, kind of breaking the blood vessels on your skin. Mm. So that's why I like to use my fingers instead of any tools. Mm, okay. I love that. I'll have to give everyone a link to a, a, link to a uh, face massage tutorial. Yes, for sure. Okay. What is a guilty pleasure of yours? I love my raw dark chocolate. I eat it every single day. I've said, I'm not eating any more chocolate. This is an addiction. This is really bad and not, not had it. But then I'm like, just eating almond butter and just eating other things. And I'm like, okay, if the worst thing I'm doing in my life is eating some raw chocolate every day, like, so be it. That's not the worst, the worst thing ever, but it's something that, you know, it, it really brings me pleasure. It brings me into my femininity. And I think a lot of us women, we become so rigid and hard on ourselves. And that's not the way that the feminine was designed. And, you know, why do we crave chocolate during our periods? And why is it something that women gather together and they eat sweets in every single culture from the history of time? Because there is a sense of nourishment that comes from the mm -hmm. sweet taste. Mm -hmm. I love that. Even just, I, I'll have like a couple of squares of a chocolate bar after, uh, dark chocolate, obviously, um, after, uh, lunch and then a couple after dinner. And I'm like, that's all I need. I don't need to like eat a cake. I'm good. Totally. Exactly. And it actually saves me from eating desserts. Cause when I go out places and I'll, maybe before I would have been cra craving to have, try one of their desserts there, but I'm honestly like, I rather have my raw dark chocolate because yes. I know I'm going to feel good after. Whereas if I eat this, I know I'm going to feel like shit in an hour. Exactly. So true. So how did this whole journey begin for you? Yeah. So, um, growing up, I was overweight. I ate a lot of junk food, was definitely not into any of this stuff. Um, as I mentioned, my parents were immigrants. So a big part of eating this sort of American junk food was a way for me to fit into American culture. And I eventually got really bad asthma to the point that I couldn't go outside as a kid. I would get an asthma attack every time I basically left the house. So, um, because of that, I just stayed home all the time, perpetuating this, you know, this illness. And I remember my mom saying, you know, all of your problems are because of the foods you're eating, your asthma, this, that. And I'm like, you're crazy. And the doctors are like, yeah, you're crazy. Like, how can asthma be connected to the foods you eat? There's no connection there. So when I was in seventh grade, I wanted to lose weight because, you know, you want to fit in and you can become self-conscious. So I looked up in Cosmo Magazine, the most trusted source of information <laughs> out there, that um, Jennifer Aniston, aka Rachel from Friends, gets her beautiful body from doing hot yoga. I was like, oh, I will do 
anything to look like Rachel. Mm -hmm. So hot yoga, I don't even know what that is. Sign me up. And I remember seeing in my town, again, this is like before yoga was like cool and there were a lot of yoga studios. There was this one like super hippie yoga studio in my um, town called Prana Power Yoga. And I told my mom, I'm like, okay, after school, you're going to drop me off there and you can pick me up in like 90 minutes. She's like, okay. So I went, I had no idea what to expect. I'm wearing like, you know, a fubu jumpsuit or whatever people baby fat something people were yeah. back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had and I'm in this yoga class and it's so hot and I'm sweating everyone's doing this choreography I'm like what is it? what are these dance moves I've never seen these before and for the first time I feel connected to my body not trying to run away from it not trying to escape from it not trying to punish it not trying to run a mile under 10 minutes to pass the seventh grade but just connected to my body Mm. and I cried and I just you know it was a real renaissance of coming back into into this body that I had been fighting and ignoring and disrespecting Mm. um so I decided that I would go on a top secret mission which would be to go to yoga after school every day and not tell anyone because it's so embarrassing I'm trying to lose weight and um as I started practicing I became more interested in other parts of yoga start reading books of people like Deepak Chopra and eventually became healthier lost the weight and got really really into health especially when I was in college and became raw vegan because I thought Mm. you know if being a junk food eater is the worst thing you can do then only eating raw fruits vegetables, nuts, and seeds must be the very best thing you can do. And I think a lot of people listening may have been there before. So um, I start to eat just raw foods. And at first I feel great. And after a few months, I start noticing I'm just really cold all the time. And I mean, I, I lived in Boston. I grew up in Boston. I'm used to the cold weather, but this is like another level of being cold. And then I'm brushing my hair. My hair is just falling out in chunks and I'm losing weight, but it turns into like people being like, are you okay? Like you don't look well. And at first, again, I thought it was a compliment, um, but it it wasn't. I actually had lost like 30 pounds, um, becoming like 88 pounds, like that low of underweight, like a BMI of 15. And I was eating as much as I could all these raw foods, but it seemed like nothing was sticking to my body. And I was in so much pain. Every time I ate food, my stomach hurt so bad that I would be on the couch, just like breathing, like trying to get through this. And it was like the worst stomach pains ever. And my period, I didn't get it for a few months. I didn't get it for a year. I didn't get my period for two years at all. So, um, my joints started to hurt, started to get injured all the time. All of these issues started happening, getting really bad insomnia, getting anxious. And again, I was like, what's wrong with me? I just have all these problems, but I never thought they were interconnected, right? Like how could my insomnia be connected to my joints, be connected to my digestion, be connected to my hormones. And I would visit an endocrinologist, a gastroenterologist, all these different people for different facets of my mind and my body, but no one ever asked the questions about the other parts of my body. So, um, I was just trying to heal myself through Google, which I think a lot of listeners have done and are doing, you know, in this world, there's so many opposing views out there that you're just out there on your own and you see a lot of conflicting information. And I was just so freaking confused. I just wanted someone to hand me a blueprint of like, okay, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I couldn't find it. Mm. So, So, um, yeah. So at what point did 
because you mentioned that the yoga was, you know, originally just meant for, you know, losing weight. At what point did you start to have that like deeper mind body connection to realize that like things were not right? Well, when I started practicing yoga, I would say by the time I was 15, I obviously was like very into yoga and the practice and looking at it from a broader perspective. But I did not put the pieces together that my diet, Mm -hmm. raw vegan diet, was creating these issues because in the yoga community, being raw vegan, especially in America, is a big part of it. So Mm -hmm. I thought I was actually eating the healthiest diet ever, and that was the one thing that I was doing right Mm -hmm. despite all of these issues. So as the issues would get worse, I would just think, okay, how can I clean up my diet more, clean up my diet more, whereas to clean up the diet for me is not to eat more raw foods because of my unique body type, Mm -hmm. which isn't the case for everyone. So basically at that time I was in India teaching health and sanitation in the slums of um, Delhi teaching, um, not related to Ayurveda, just teaching there. And I was still a raw vegan at the time. And I decided I'm just going to visit an Ayurvedic doctor because I've visited everyone else and might as well see what this person has to say. And I never believed in it. I thought it was like this weird, like astrological thing and never was going to even take what she said into consideration. But I was like, okay, we'll just see what this is. And from the moment she saw me, she's like, Beta, which means the daughter, um, you're too pretty to never have a baby. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? How does she know that I don't have my period? And she took my pulse, looked at my tongue, et cetera. And she said I had a very, very bad vata imbalance, which is air energy. Mm-hmm. And that was putting me, it basically made my body go into menopause when I was 21, perimenopause, and put me at risk of Alzheimer's and osteoporosis. So basically I was doing everything wrong, but the suggestions that she gave me were to basically eat ghee, which is clarified butter and all of these herbs and tons of rice and all these foods that I really didn't want to eat. So there I was like, okay, I really want to believe and trust what you have to say, but the suggestions that you're giving me I feel like I would feel even worse if I ate those. And I would try, I would try to drink cups of ghee. I would try to do everything and it wouldn't work. So instantly the download came through of, I need to study Ayurveda and figure out a way to modernize this Mm -hmm. and take the best of the Ayurvedic approach but infuse it in with what we need today and look at it from today's perspective and what has changed from 5,000 years ago. What are the things that can work for today's time? Why is it that we can only eat Indian food and Ayurveda? What about in Japan and Costa Rica and other blue zones around the world where they live past 100 years and they don't eat these same foods? How can we still use these guidelines of eating right for your dosha with every type of food? So I studied Ayurveda for two years in India and I wrote my first book. I got hired by Penguin Random House. I wrote Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. As you mentioned, it's the best-selling Ayurveda book and have a new book coming out called Eat, Feel Fresh, which has like the recipes that basically saved my life. And I'm on a real mission to make Ayurveda more modern and approachable. So people who are out there like me, who are so sick and tired of like every doctor just saying like, oh, just get on birth control. Oh, just take this pill for IBS. Just take this for Mm anti-depression to realize that these things are all interconnected and you don't have to go to any pharmaceutical medicine. You just have to look within. 
You guys know how difficult it can be to eat healthy. At the end of the day, my brain is fried. And when my husband asks me what's for dinner, I'm meltdown city. But lately, I've been doing a meal kit delivery service with HelloFresh, and it has been a lifesaver. So they send you the recipes with all the ingredients. It's all so fresh. It's portioned out. It's pre-measured and labeled. It's like having your own personal sous chef. And you know how much I love hiring things out. It was so easy. Sunday night, we just got a box with all of our ingredients for all of our meals, and we made this seared steak with homemade baked fries with nutty green beans and garlic parsley. It was so good. And we actually had fun cooking because we knew it would actually taste good. It only takes like 30 minutes from the second you open the box until there's a meal on your plate. So you don't have to get hangry. And with all the time you save, you can meditate more and just be more zen. They have so much selection, whether you want vegetarian or kid-friendly meals, or you can just do the classic, which is what we do. And I totally suggest subscribing week after week and ditching the whole grocery store and meal planning drama. All you have to do is scroll through the menu. It has pictures of all the food. You click on what you want, then it comes to your door. And because I love you guys and I need you to experience this, I've managed to fandangle HelloFresh into giving you a special offer. So you're saving a total of $60. That's $20 off your first three boxes when you book with our unique promo code that I got just for you guys. You're basically getting six free meals, which is insane. You're welcome. So just go to hellofresh.com slash chakra 60 and enter the promo code chakra 60 at checkout. Again, it's hellofresh.com slash chakra 60 and enter chakra 60 at checkout. Now go get your meals and just meditate more because you're going to have time. So how long um, from studying to applying it to yourself did it did you really change your life and change your body? Yeah, so as I was studying it, I would try everything. Like I really made myself a guinea pig. I went to the world's oldest Panchakarma center in South India, which is like very, very intense like Ayurvedic detox treatment. I did everything. And then as I was doing it, I was like, okay, this could work. Oh, this really doesn't make sense, um, et cetera. So as soon as I really started implementing eating more cooked foods for me as a Vata with a Vata imbalance, that's that I noticed such a change, not only in my body, but also my mind. But I'd say it took me almost a year to get my period back because that is something that um, does take time because when you're not getting your period and it's related to over-exercising and diet, that's part of your brain. It's, it's called hypothalamic amenorrhea. So it mm. means your brain thinks that you're not in a safe enough state to reproduce. So it's not something that you can take a pill or drink a tincture for. It's something you really have to change your whole lifestyle for. Mm. So for people that know that there is an imbalance, like what is the first step for them to do? Yeah. So first I would find out what is the imbalance. So there are three doshas, three energy types in Ayurveda, and those are vata, pitta, and kapha. So vata is, as I mentioned, air energy. So if you have a lot of air in your mind, let's say I was like, oh, Amberly, I know this guy, he's super airy. What do you think an airy person is like? Kind of like, I don't know, flaky? Flaky, Yeah. Like free-spirited, I don't know. Those are kind of the things that come to mind, like free-flowing. Mm-hmm. Totally. And what if I was like, I feel like I have a lot of air in my digestion. What do you think that's like? What am I describing? Bloat. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably like carrying extra weight. Yeah. Gas. Gas. Yeah, totally. So 
Exactly. So a lot of this is intuitive to what we know today. We mm -hmm. say an airhead, mm -hmm. a spacehead, airy fairy. Yeah. So these are all terminologies for an air-like person. So if you have a lot of air in your mind on the good side of it is you're probably really creative and artistic and eccentric and you, you know, you march outside of the mainstream and you do your own thing, right? We think of the artists of society, mm -hmm. but the other side, which you had mentioned is maybe you're flaky. Yeah. Maybe you, you know, people are like, oh, what's your job? You're like, oh, I'm like a singer slash waitress slash receptionist yeah. slash yeah construction worker slash lawyer yeah. slash you know yeah. <laughs> like really how do you do all those things and yeah. you know that's part of the vats energy it's the wind the air the air is always moving it cannot be contained but it can be non-committal be non-committal to people be non-committal to jobs anything so when you have a lot of vata the creativity the air in your mind um, as an imbalance can go out of proportion. So you may experience anxiety, which is the inability really to harness your thoughts. Um, insomnia, which again is your thoughts moving faster than you are, making you unable to sleep. And then in your body, it's the bloating, gas, constipation, air moving through the body means you're cold, you're dry, dry skin, dry hair, cracking, hurting joints, feeling like you're aging fast, wrinkles. These are all signs of excess air. So if listeners feel like they have these issues either mentally or physically you have to pacify reduce your vata so mm -hmm. what that looks like is to bring the qualities that you don't have so if vata is cold dry airy uh flaky you need more warming more grounding more stabilizing more structure more routine like go sit in a steam room <laughs> Perhaps it depends. It that could be too intense for some vatas. Like let's say you're like underweight or you're weak, and then you sit in the steam room, you could faint or something. So, for I would say something like more, for example, in the lifestyle component, um, spending time in nature, spending time mm -hmm. with the earth, drinking up that earth's grounding energy, having a routine in your life. A lot of times vatas they they wake up and they eat and they sleep and they just work differently every single day and the body really thrives off of routine and wants to know what to expect. When am I going to eat? When am I going to sleep? Etc. So setting up those routines for yourself will really help with the anxiety and the insomnia and um connecting back to your physical vessel, right? Because vatas can be really in their heads. So again, for example, like the Pilates, the mind-body connection, or doing something like a really slow strength training instead of like going to an intense like Barry's boot camp class, like really just focusing on creating structure and building muscle and awareness and balance in your body. And then in terms of eating, more grounding, more root root vegetables, more foods that come from the earth, which will give you strength, like sweet potato and ginger, turmeric, butternut squash, soups, stews, curries, things that will warm your body from within. So if vata was a season, it would be the fall. So think about the foods that grow in the fall, like pumpkins and, you know, we want like more warmy, warming and soupy foods in the fall because the weather is cold and dry. So if you're feeling cold, dry, vata, think warming and grounding. Mm. So I did the quiz mm -hmm. on your website, which I loved. Um, so if you're, is the concept that 
like, will they ever change? Will the percentages ever change? Like if I'm, my mind is 43% Vata, 43% Pitta and 14% Kapha. So will that ever change? Is the goal to make them more even um, or is the goal to just work with them individually? Yeah. So we'll, here, I can explain this now. People might be like, what are the other two doshas? But let me just quickly yeah. say this now. Okay. Um, so you're born with a natural constitution, which will never change, which is called your prakriti, which is okay. basically in your DNA. So let's say you were born primarily vata, secondarily pitta, lastly kapha. That's just mm. who you are as a person. But okay. your diet and your lifestyle and environment can create changes in those things. So let's say you start to eat a lot and you gain weight and that makes you get more tired and sluggish and you start turning into a kapha. You'll start experiencing kapha imbalances. You could take the quiz on my website and you'll, it'll show up as a kapha. That doesn't mean you were born with as a kapha. It means that's what your imbalance is right now. Mm-hmm. So the goal of Ayurveda is to go back to your prakriti, to go back to what you naturally are because we each have a unique approach to balance. Some of us are naturally more fiery. Some are more earthy. So it's not going to be that we're going to be like 100% all of the things. It just means we need to not be out of balance in any way. Does that make sense? 100%. Yeah. So it's, it's unique for everyone, but I think that's what makes Ayurveda so powerful because it's not this one size fits all approach. Mm, totally. So you explain Vata. Let's get into the other ones. Yes. So if I was like, ooh, I know this girl. She's super fiery. What do you think she's like? Um, probably like feisty and sassy and maybe a bit of a bitch, and, <laughs> but also like super like motivated and goal oriented and um, ambitious. Totally. You nailed it. So that's exactly what pittas are like. So they are goal-oriented, ambitious, dedicated, driven. They have that like, you know, hashtag boss, hashtag CEO energy. Um, But when things don't go their way, sometimes they can freak out and they can that fire within them, pittas fire energy. So that fire energy that makes you sharp and strong and goal-oriented can also make you irritable and angry and frustrated and impatient. So that volcano inside of you can erupt. Mm -hmm. So what pittas really need to focus on is more cooling and hydrating and calming. And in the body, that pitta having too much fire in the body. So if I was like, oh, I feel like my digestion feels really fiery. What do you think that would be like? Um, Like heartburn? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You're yeah. like the first person who actually nailed it. <laughs> um, but we say it, the, the heart is burning, right? We have the same words in English. So heartburn is when your stomach produces too much acid mm, and moves yeah. up to your esophagus. So in Ayurveda, we actually call the digestion, the fire, the agni. So if we are pitta, we have a lot of fire and then there's too much fire in our digestion, the heat moves up. So we start to become acidic. And as heat rises, it tries to leave the body and it shows up as acne and inflammation and redness on the face. Mm. So acne is always related to a pitta imbalance. If you see someone that has almost an inflamed or uh, irritable skin, that means there's too much fire in the body that's trying to leave. And that is always, always, always a 
a pitta imbalance. Mm. So with pitta fiery, it feels like you're hot all the time. Maybe you sweat. Your sweat has a stronger, more odorous smell. And again, we can all go through pitta imbalances at any time due to our diet and lifestyle. So sometimes you may notice that you're more sweaty than other times or your sweat has like a pungent smell. That means that there's some sort of pitta imbalance going on at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, pitta people, naturally, those who are born with a lot of pitta, they tend to be really like athletic, sporty. They, you know, are the kind of person who's like a team player and like a natural born leader and they work energy to burn. Right. And they do really well. They, they don't like working on their own. Like vatas love working on their own. They're like, leave me alone. I want to be like up in the clouds. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas pittas are like, come on team. Let's huddle like you know you think of the the ceo or like the captain of the sports team like that is a great example of what pitta looks like so pittas are you know they are tend to be like the managers of society but what they need to focus on is just maybe having more compassion and softness and trust and surrender those are two really big um big lessons for them to learn So in the body, um, cooling, hydrating. So instead of going to a hot power yoga class, maybe just doing some yin yoga, maybe Mm -hmm. taking a walk, maybe swimming, swimming, being by the water, the ocean, that's super cooling and really good for pittas. And then eat the tropical foods, the summer foods, the coconut water, the salads, the cilantro, pineapple, all of these things that are going to cool your body down. Mm, okay. I feel, I feel drawn to that for sure. I always thought I was more pitta. So I'm surprised that I'm showing up with so much vata. You maybe are a pitta that has a vata imbalance. That's, that's actually what right. I am too. I was born with more pitta, but because of, you know, just not following a schedule and like all of these things, traveling a lot, all of these oh, things. Yeah. That's exactly what vata. it is. I'm traveling yeah. all the time. So that's probably exactly what it is. Well, yeah. And if you think about travel, when you travel, you're up in the air. It's literally the most vata thing you can do. You're changing time zones. You're so disconnected from the earth. So anyone that, and traveling is so new. Like a hundred years ago, people didn't get in airplanes and like show up on the opposite side of the earth. So our bodies are like, what is going on? And that's really going to create a vata imbalance regardless of what your dosha is. So if you're traveling a lot, you need to be pacifying your vata. So I recommend bringing some oil on the plane really beforehand on the plane, oil up your body, particularly with sesame oil, which is really warming. And um, if you eat on the plane, like bring like a baked sweet potato with some like sunflower seed or almond butter and some cinnamon, something that's like a root vegetable, drink hot water throughout the flight. As soon as you get off the flight, walk barefoot on the earth to let your body know where you are and eat something local, like a local fruit to like tell your body like, okay, this is the environment Mm -hmm. that I'm in right now. Yeah. Okay. I love that so much. Those are all the things I'm going to do. Yes. So tell us about kapha. So kapha is earth energy. Okay. So let's say I was like, "Mm, I know this girl, she is super earthy. What do you think that's like? Very like grounded and like, I would think very stable, but maybe a little bit stubborn. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you would think definitely grounded, and that's exactly yeah. what it is. It's in the ground, so yeah. it's rooted. It moves slowly, and yeah. the earth, it's 
graceful. It takes its time. It's soft. You think of an earth mama and, you know, she has long hair and wears a flowy skirt and like breastfeeds her kids till they're like eight years old. (laughs) Very connected. So the earth energy is giving. The earth gives us water, oil, gas, resources, and we take, take, take. So Kapha people naturally are givers. They are providers. They are nurturers. They are people who love to put other people before themselves. It actually lights them up. So I think about it as Oprah energy. Mm, like Oprah okay. is someone she's like, you get a car, you get a car. Yeah. Everyone gets a car. Like she loves to give. She looks super, super Kapha, which we'll talk about. But her big issue that she kind of learned in her life that she speaks about all the time is not being able to say no. Mm -hmm. And people will be like, oh, can you fly to this charity event in Spain for like one day? And she would go to Spain for one day, talk and like come back because she had such a hard time saying no, because she wanted to like be the like supportive mama that says yes to everyone. Mm, Yeah. So Kafa people, they are naturally really loving, calm, gentle, funny, loyal. They're the type of people who will have a friend for their entire lives, Mm. but at the same time, um, they may be resistant to change. Yeah. So they may have that same friend because they don't feel like making new friends or they may have that same boyfriend for nine years because they haven't gone to the root of the issue of, do we want to like move in together or not? Because they rather just kind of like deal with it than change it. Oh yeah. Kafa people. So Oprah. Right. (laughs) So yeah, because coffee people, they're so chill, but sometimes that chillness can make them stay with situations that are no longer serving them. Mm -hmm. So Kafa's lesson is to really stimulate and to get out of their comfort zone and to try new things. Um, So for them, doing the intense cardio class in the morning would actually be a great thing, Mm -hmm. though they probably never want to do that because Kafas hold on to things. They hold on to energy. And as we hold on to energy, we hold on to it somatically in the body as fat. So they tend to gain weight really easily, especially in the hips, the thigh, the butt. They have like hourglass, like curvaceous figures. Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, they end up feeling lethargic over time because the weight keeps adding on, adding on, and then they feel heavy. And then they, you know, the resistance and the heaviness in the body translates in the mind. And though they are the friendliest and the calmest and the kindest, they are the most likely to suffer from depression. So Robin Williams is a really good example of that, who is making the world laugh, but we had no idea what was going on inside because coffins feel like they have to have the weight of the world on their shoulders. And if they vocalize and speak what is going on with them, everyone will freak out and not be able to deal. So they internalize it. And they oftentimes internalize it through food, through overeating, through self-destructive behaviors. Um, But they have a really hard time like reaching out and asking for help. I feel like I'm all of them. (laughs) We all have times. We've all had times that we are Vata, Pitta, and Kapha. Um, Just some of us are more naturally like gravitated to that. So people who are very Kapha, like this is probably a lifelong issue for them. Maybe they've always been that friendly, supportive friend, but 
not put themselves first. Maybe they've always had a really hard time with their weight and deal with things by emotionally eating, maybe movement and trying new things and getting out of their box. These are lifelong things. Whereas for some people, that's like a certain point of their life and then they move on from that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about eating right for the mind and body type, because it's possible to have, like when I did the test, like my mind breakdown and my body breakdown are very different from each other. Mm -hmm. Totally. And that was why I created the quiz to be separated between the mind and the body, because a lot of people were confused with exactly that. So I always say, follow the dosha guidelines for um, dietary things for your body and follow for mental things with the dosha of your mind. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have a vata mind. That means you get more anxious easily and you're more creative, et cetera. So you need more grounding lifestyle practices. Mm -hmm. But let's say you are more kapha in the body. So you're really grounded in the, in the body, but anxious in the mind. So what do you do? So in terms of your meditation practice, I would practice more grounding, more, you know, less multitasking, less being all over the place, more just coming still, coming into the body. But with your diet, I wouldn't follow a vata diet because that would be too heavy for you. Right. So I would eat the stimulating food. So coffees are really good with spices. So adding in turmeric, ginger, cumin, cayenne, things to spice your body up. They need to stay away from anything that's cold wet, sticky, mucus building. Um, mm. For example, like dairy products, sweets, breads, carbs, excess oils, even excess fats like avocado, excess proteins. They need to be really on very plant-centric diet, especially bitter vegetables. So like mm kale, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, and they don't want to be doing it raw. They can eat some raw, but they want to make the majority of it cooked, particularly just like steamed or lightly sauteed um, because that's going to make it easier for them to digest because kapha is a cold energy. So that fire, that digestive fire is cold for them. Mm, So what about meat? Do you eat meat and are there certain, uh, certain signs that should? Yeah. So personally, I don't. Um, Ayurveda was traditionally a vegetarian diet because they look at food in terms of qualities and how you feel after. So there are three main gunas, three qualities, and those are sattva, rajas, and tamas. So sattva means to evoke clarity and purity in the body. So if you are on a path to enlightenment or yoga, um, you would only want foods that are going to evoke that clarity and that purity. Whereas when you eat meat, that creates rajas, which means aggression and movement. And that would actually be recommended in Ayurveda for people who either are the warriors of society. So for example, like if you were in the the Hindustan army, they wanted you to have aggression and rage because you were like fighting for the country. Whereas mm-hmm. if you are trying to be on this yogic path, that's the opposite of the subtle energy that you need. And the other type of people who could benefit from meat are those with um, severe vata imbalances. So let's say you are anemic or you're not getting your period or issues like that. In those times, actually, you should be eating some meat. And if you can't, digest meat, maybe just a bone broth or something like that, um, because you need that nourishment in the body. And then once you're able to come back into balance, then your body no longer needs it. So everything in Ayurveda can be seen as medicine, including animal products, but they're not meant to be consumed just for like pure enjoyment. 
Right. Okay. Got it. So outside of the physical um, and the behavioral, how can we kind of use Ayurveda to manifest or to create a life we want? Yes. So, you know, what brought me to Ayurveda was like the health and the digestion. But what I'm so passionate about is how your dosha is connected to your dharma, your life purpose. And the exact qualities that we were born with are the qualities that we need to be showing up with in the world. So if you're born with a lot of vata, you need to be utilizing your creativity. If you're born with a lot of pitta, you need to be utilizing your leadership abilities. If you're born with a lot of kapha, you need to be utilizing your one-on-one and personal abilities. So in terms of manifesting, I believe that when you are doing the things that earth naturally provided you with that you're following the word dharma means like divine purpose so when you are on the path of your divine purpose you fall into something called kriya so i like to think of it as you're driving down the highway and you're born on this highway and the opposite end of the highway is your dharma your life purpose and you're driving down you're on cruise control things are going good and then suddenly you see on the side of the road it's like oh turn over here you can make a lot of money like selling real estate and you're like oh that sounds like a good idea so you start turning that direction and then the universe responds in a poke and you don't listen and then it responds in a nudge and you don't listen and then it starts to punch you and you don't listen And eventually, it turns into an accident, a catastrophe that you have no choice but to listen to. Mm. And this is a definition of karma. Karma is bounded action by the universe. We think Mm. of karma as, oh, what goes around comes around. Well, karma is actually the universe's action to keep you on path towards your dharma. So if you are living in every day feels like a series of unfortunate events and you're just putting out fires to just get through life, then my friend, this is the universe responding to you in the only language that you can understand, which is through the these unfortunate events so you can listen and take back that wheel and shift it towards your dharma. Mm, so so are the you- dosha imbalances considered those little nudges? Absolutely, yes. Okay. And they will tell you, they will tell you which dosha is out of balance. So that's why knowing your dosha is like this beautiful framework that puts language into the things that we experience but have never found the patterns to. And when you are on that path of to- towards your highest self, which is the path of Kriya. The word Kriya, again, has many definitions, but essentially means effortless flow to fall into synchronicity, synchro destiny, as Deepak says. Mm -hmm. So that's when you are meeting the right people at the right time and doors are opening your way. And before you know it, you've ended up somewhere that you could have never possibly planned yourself. And that is not all you, my friend. That is the universe working alongside you because you are on the path towards your dharma. So life is meant to be lived like Kriya. I remember when I met Deepak, I asked him, I was like, oh my God, things are moving so fast right now. I don't know if this is supposed to always happen or are periods of you know radical synchronicity followed by periods of inertia where like nothing happens because that's how we're taught, right? If things are going good, eventually they're gonna go bad really soon. Mm-hmm. And he responded, he's like, Sahara, if things aren't always going like this, then something's wrong. Mm. And it really just reminded me that, you know, we almost look for 
the possibility, the cloud in the sky, the, the inkling that something could go wrong, but really we were meant to live these lives of beautiful, sacred flow. And that is the universe speaking to us, telling us we're moving towards our Dharma. So do you or Deepak or Oprah still have those bad days or those like those moments where things kind of start to turn? Is it impossible? Is it possible to kind of always have that balance? You know, I would say it's not like bad days anymore. I remember when I was like in high school, I'm like, oh, today's like a bad day. Um, It's just some lessons that you learn. I don't think anyone is immune to learning lessons. The universe is always giving us lessons. But as soon as I'm able to find what the universe was trying to say to me, that lesson magically just disappears because I get to the bottom of it and see what it was really trying to teach me. So before it was almost like, oh, bad days just happen and there's it's this thing out of control. And now I realize that it's something that I have been co-creating because it is an area of my life that I've been overlooking. And when I can look into it from the perspective that it needed to be looked at, then it's no longer perceived as a bad day, but a lesson. Yes. So true. So just having that, that awareness and that connection to your body connection to your mind and that willingness to look at it with curiosity and remedy it rather than just wallowing in it. Exactly. And and knowing that, you know, life was not meant to be lived in hardship. And I think, again, we as humans have been taught, like life is hard. Things are just going to be really hard the whole time. So we create this reality for ourselves. But what if we take on the belief that like, no, life is meant to be easy and enjoyed and beautiful and fruitful. And that's what we start to look for. That's what will show up. Yeah. And I think so many people feel guilty when things are going well. For sure. And then we, we sabotage it ourselves. Yeah. hundred percent. So how does Ayurveda work with the chakra system? Yes. So the chakra system is a big part of Ayurveda. And we can look at the chakras based off of what dosha they're related to, what kosha they're related to, and what guna they're related to, as well as colors, essential oils, crystals, etc. So um, (laughs) So many ways, all the ways. (laughs) So many ways. But in the terms of the doshas, since we've been talking about them, um, the upper two chakras would be very vata because they're air. So their ideas, their intuition, they are things that are still not in the tangible, right? Like when you have an intuitive insight on something, it hasn't quite happened yet, but it's in the ethos. It's in the akasha, which is the layer of all possibility. Then when we move down into the heart, into the solar plexus, that's very pitta. It's, it's blood, And pitta is the dosha in charge of blood and transformation and metabolism and digestion, et cetera. So that is very related to taking action and energy and and feeling things. Mm. And then when we go down into the lower chakras, into sacral, into um, root chakra, that's very kapha. And that is all about pleasure and enjoyment and embodiment and birthing and connecting to earth. And it's interesting because the dosha imbalance of kapha is actually the throat chakra. So Mm. if you have mucus, hypothyroid issues, phlegm, asthma, like I had as a kid, that is actually related to kapha imbalance because kapha though it's connected to those lower chakras it's the earth energy in the body it's stored in the throat chakra area so if you're feeling like i have a lot of phlegm mucusy 
congestion, et cetera, that's a sign that your kapha is out of balance. If you have headaches, et cetera, vata is out of balance. You have digestive issues, heart issues, pitta is out of balance. Mm, interesting. And I, as someone who I for sure am pitta, my solar plexus also is like always running low because I'm working so hard and like pushing forward, pushing, pushing, pushing. So I was not surprised to find out that that's the chakra related to Pitta. Totally. And, you know, as being born a Pitta, it doesn't mean you have to not be your ambitious self. You know, Ayurveda is saying if you're a Pitta, you're born a lion. It doesn't mean a lion should become an elephant or should become a bird. A lion is meant to be a lion. You just don't want to be that angry lion on the safari that's like biting everyone's heads off. But like, yes, be fierce and powerful and strong because that's what you're meant to be. Tame your lion. That's all you got to do. Oh my God. I love it so much. You have given so many amazing tips. I'm so intrigued and going to check out your books 100%. Um, Let's go into manic moments and manifesting. Sure. I'll go first. I'll share my my most recent meltdown and the most recent thing that I manifested. So I had a very hungry moment, a fiery, angry pitta moment, (laughs) and my husband brought me food and he brought me like I am kind of trying not to eat carbs right now. Maybe that's not right for my dosha. I don't know. But he brought me all this like carby food and I literally raged at him. (laughs) And I was like, I felt so bad after because he was just trying to be nice, but we made up all as well. But the lesson I learned just don't get to that point of hunger where you're going to bite someone's head off. Totally. I mean, and also the like not letting other people have control of your food. Because yes. if you're anything like me, it's like you're really particular about your food. And if yes. it's like slightly wrong, you're like, no, this isn't what I wanted. I and know. Like I'm timed like, your hunger that you're like, no, now is when I need to eat. And that's also a very pitta thing too, by the way. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Just live in my dosha. Yeah. Okay. Last thing I manifested. So I talked about etiotherapy a little bit on the podcast before. Have you ever done etiotherapy? No. What's that? I honestly don't even know how to explain it other than she looks at your ear and can tell you everything that's ever happened to you in your life. It is like the most what? wild thing. And she like moves the energy through you. So you, she gets into like the nucleus of the memory and then clears the energy what? of it. That's so, so crazy. Cool. So she's like, okay, when you were 22, you had a um, identity crisis and you, you were looking a lot at the media and you were feeling a lot of shame. And I was like, Oh my God, like I got laid off. And I had like, when I was 22, I was working this office job and I worked my way up really quickly and I was making good money. And I kind of like realized that that was what I was always leading with when I met someone like, Oh yeah. I'm like climbing the corporate ladder. I'm like, that's who I am, you know? Uh And I got laid off And it was just like, who the hell am I? And so whatever, we cleared it. It took a long time to clear it. We were in there for like an extra 15 minutes. She's like, what the hell? It's like not going to How does she clear it? Like with earwax? No, 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 not even. She just, it's like, um, it's like Reiki and just like energy work. So basically she just like holds on to your wrist and she puts these, um, I don't even know how to explain it. It's kind of like a spectrum um, piece of glass. 
and it kind of like shows her the colors that are radiating off of the spectrum and then she uses i don't i don't i honestly have no idea it's freaking wild um so it was taking a long time to heal she was like feeling it in my throat i could feel this massive lump in my throat she had to like put her actual hand on my throat to try and like move it down and then i could feel it go through my heart i could feel it my stomach started to gurgle my legs started to twitch and then finally i felt it coming out of my foot and then immediately after i went to like the nicest hotel in vancouver and i was meeting one of my clients there i was like feeling good looking good like total boss babe moment and who do i run into the boss that laid me off and I was like, yes, it was so crazy. It was like this, like, okay, now I've released it. Like it is gone for good. That is so crazy. I, I want to do that so badly. I mean, it's, it's amazing the things we hold on to that we're just not aware of. Totally. Like I never, ever, ever thought of this guy. I never thought of this job. I never thought of any of it. But when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, I was like really holding on to that deep, deep down and didn't even realize it. And then we were talking about ways that it has like affected me today. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. I do. She's like, oh yeah, you might not notice it, but maybe you experience this or maybe you experience this. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, I do. And she's like, that's how it's, that's how it's showing up for you today. So it's all gone now, guys. That is so cool. Well, you'll have to share with me like what this thing is and it's just so I can see if there's anyone in Los Angeles that does it. I think there's very few people that do it. It started in Paris. Um, But yeah, it's Etio Therapy, E-T-I-O Therapy. And in Vancouver, the lady that does it, her name's Colette and her business is called Clarité Wellness. And she also does gua sha facials and um face readings like you know how they do palm readings she yes does face yes readings. that's a big so. part of ayurveda too oh is it oh, okay cool you can tell what dosha someone is based off of their face oh my gosh so crazy mm-hmm. i need to get into this okay tell me about your last meltdown moment yeah, so I got engaged in June, which was really exciting. Congratulations. And thank you. And I always thought like, oh, I'm going to be the chillest of brides. Like, I'm just going to get married on a beach and it's going to be really simple. Like, I don't really care about the little details. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of details that get involved. And it seems like the universe is really trying to teach me a lesson here. So um, the first place I went to get married was Tulum. And turns out they have a massive seaweed problem. If no one's heard. Oh, like all problem. Uh, right. Like the whole, all the beaches and like the Mayan Rivera, that whole area are just is just covered in seaweed. And it just keeps coming by like the hundreds of gallons. And they don't know if it will ever end and people can't swim in the water anymore so, and it smells really bad and they don't know if, when this level ever stops. So I'm like, oh okay, God. that's not going to work. Then I found this place in Mexico called San Miguel de Allende, which is this like beautiful, like colonial town. And I was like, and my um, fiance and I, our past life together was he was a flamenco guitarist and I was a dancer and we would like perform on the streets. And oh he is a, God. yeah, and he's a, he's a uh, musician and music manager in, in this lifetime. And I've always been a dancer. So I saw that place. I'm like, oh my God, this is where I want to get married, et cetera. I went there and I got so sick. I vomited at the wedding venue. 
was like, no. And I got so sick. I was sick for about nine days. And it wasn't from the food. It was like, I mean, I don't really know. I think it started from, from the food that I ate there. I ate like a guava from the market that I didn't uh, Um, but it was like just a lot of maybe other stuff. And it's interesting because when my um, fiance, he surprised me in in Bali, I was in Bali. He like showed up there and like surprised me there and proposed. And then he in Bali got E. coli. Um, So it's like, he got a massive major stomach thing. And then after he healed from that, which took him like two weeks, um, he started doing transcendental meditation needs plant-based and all this stuff. So I'm like, oh shit, now it's my turn. And it was like, oh, it's so painful. And everything from the wedding fell through. And then I looked, um, every single idea I've had has like massively fallen through with a huge slap in the face. So it's really the universe teaching me that it doesn't matter. It's not yes. about the wedding. It's about the marriage. And totally. totally. You're like coming back to your original plan of being chill. Well, and also what it taught me, I was just like, what is the lesson behind this? And the lesson was make every day your wedding right? Like we plan so much for this one day. Oh, it's going to have plants and I'm going to serve fruit and the the plates are going to look like this. And it's like, okay, it's one day that you get all this stuff for and it's gone. Well, what about your home environment that you live in every day? So it actually inspired me to buy plants, to get just like nice fruit for myself and chop it up that and go to the beach every day, like do all the things that I want my wedding to be about on a daily basis. Ah, so you're not just planning your wedding, you're planning your entire marriage and life together. Exactly. And, and yeah, and to not wait, wait for a date, but just to start now, wherever you are, even if you're not getting married. Oh my gosh. I love that. So have you made any plans then? Are you just waiting for the right thing to happen? You know, I've been looking now at different like Caribbean islands, et cetera, but I'm trying to like, just have less of a, rushed perspective. I feel like before I felt like, oh my God, I just want to like lock it in and just get the date and just get the cards out and just get this over with. And that's the ego speaks to you in a rushing voice, but the Mm -hmm. intuition never does. So I have the rest of my life. If I plan to spend the rest of my life with this person, I can take my time and see what comes through. And it doesn't, for some reason I had in my head that I need to have everything done before my book launch, which is the pit and me. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, it's not a big deal. It will happen when it happens. Oh my gosh. So true. We were engaged for like almost two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were you, were you like really stressed out? No, I was literally, my friends were joking. They're like, you are the opposite of bridezilla. You are bride chilla. Like you are like (laughs) not doing, they're like, you need to do this. You need to do this. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess. Oh my (laughs) God. we We went the easy route. I mean, it sounds not easy, but it was easy. We rented a giant villa in Italy. Everyone stayed at the villa. We didn't have any vendors other than a cook, um, a chef. And we had um, my stepdad ordained us. We used an iPod for music. We didn't really That's do amazing. flowers. Like it was How so- How many people did you have? We had 30 people. That's so, see, the thing is we have like 150 people. So I'm like, I would love to just do that, yeah. but- to like to with that many people you need to get all these other people well well, that's the thing it's like we did have that many people but then we were like well if they the people that are supposed to be there will be there but so you invited that many but only 30 came well we didn't invite that many but if we were would have done it here we would have invited that many um but we probably invited like 50 Mm -hmm. but i mean it's a big 
it's a big trek, but I mean, and it was so inexpensive. Like we were basically looking at weddings and we were like, there's no way to have a wedding for less than like $30,000. Oh my and gosh, our, yeah. we stayed in Europe for a month in very nice places for $30,000. That is amazing. And I think that's exactly what I needed to hear Um, (laughs) because it really is. The wedding is not about you. It's about you trying to please other people, but then it's the other people trying to please you. And it's this like weird thing that you're both doing for each other, but exactly. So we were like, we'll just do what we want to do. And the people that love us the most will come and that's all that matters. Yeah. See my fiance's brother has six kids alone. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh God. And I just have too many cousins and they like actually show up places. And I'm like, I need to go to like friggin' Timbuktu. And we also said no kids. I know. I would really love to do that. (laughs) (laughs) that That made it fun. Um, but yeah, well, I'm excited for you and everything that's coming. So wait, so did we talk about what you manifested? Um, no. Okay, so mm, manifesting, I mean, well, one really big thing that I manifested, which wasn't recently, but was probably the biggest thing I've ever manifested was meeting Deepak Chopra and him writing the forward to my book. Mm. So I did not grow up being friends with him. I did not know anyone that knew him. I was not introduced to him by anyone. I straight up went to this, I happened to be at this yoga and science conference in um, New York that he was not a part of. And I remember in my head, I was really bored. And I was like, oh my God, the only thing that could make right now like really interesting is if Deepak Chopra just walks on stage. (laughs) And they're like, okay, it's lunch break. Oh, and here's our sponsor, Deepak Chopra. And he just walks on stage. He's like, hello. And like (laughs) walks off. And I just knew like, this is my chance. This is the only chance I have that I'm seeing him in person. I just need to go for it. So I walked down this auditorium through a crowd of a thousand people onto stage where it's like, where it's like picturing you frantically running where it's like the presenters and they weren't talking, but it was like, they were just like kind of speaking to each other and I could see he was there. So I just kind of stand next to the person that he's talking to. And then he like looks over at me. I'm like, hi, Mr. Chopra. Like, my name is Sahara. Like I wrote this book, the idiot's guide to Ayurveda is coming out in um, like a month and a half. And I would love to send it to you. And, you know, most people would be like, would never say that. Even me, some massive spirit guides were helping me through this. So he was like, okay, sure. Here's my email and send it to me. Oh my God. Yeah. So, right. So I sent it to him and he was, he responded. He's like, Hey, what's your phone number? I was like, Oh my God, what, what, what? And basically he was like, hey, do you want to come to this like event that I'm going in San Diego tomorrow? And we can like talk after. And, um, I was freaking out because for me talking to Deepak Chopra was like talking to like the voice of God. Yeah. Um, but he loved the work that I was doing and how I was modernizing it. And then he's like, Hey, I'd love for you to join Jio, which is this, um, like online app and program that he has. And we did a 31 day challenge together and like all of these things. And like, now we like talk all the time and none of it would have happened if I didn't just like take a step in that opportunity. I think we're all given those opportunities, but we like shy out and we're like, Oh, that's weird. If I say something, but if you just say that one thing, you really don't know where I could take you. So true. I a hundred percent believe that I'm actually doing one of his 21 day challenges right now. Oh, great. Deepak ones. They're so good. And actually one of the 
the two first spiritual books that I ever read were Reinventing Your Body and Resurrecting Your Soul and The Seven Spiritual Laws of Yoga. How beautiful. Yeah, he is over 80 books now. It's crazy. So wild. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited for you. You're doing so many amazing things. Tell us again, we're going to link to it as well. Tell us about your books and tell us where we can find you. So you can find me and take my quiz to discover your dosha on IamSaharaRose.com, Sahara like the desert. And that is also my Instagram, I am Sahara Rose. I post lots of fun Ayurveda stuff like shit, vata say, and like memes and things that make it like really relatable for today's time. So follow me there. Um, my new book is called Eat, Feel Fresh, and it has tons of beautiful recipes. It's all shot in India, very sacred, but like easy recipes that you can actually make a lot of tridoshic stuff. So stuff that works for all three doshas and my other book, if you really want to deep dive into Ayurveda is called idiot's guide to Ayurveda. And my podcast where I discuss all the spiritual topics is called highest self podcast. So exciting. Well, thank you so much. You gave us so many amazing tips and such good information and everyone is going to love it. So everyone go check out Sahara, check out her books. I'm linking you to everything in the show notes and we will, you know, catch each other next time. And hopefully we'll feel more balanced in our doshas. Yes. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much for being a chill chakra girl and tuning in to Chakra Girl Radio. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. You can find more info on chakras and on Amber Lee at thechakragirlco.com. And follow all the glam and grounded goodness on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Chakra Girl Co. Amber Lee loves engaging with her listeners, so DM her anytime.